What is up, beautiful Dynasty Leaguers? Welcome back to the Dynasty Dynamic. I'm your host, Max Cascons, joined by Keyshawn Vaughn's number one fan, aka the Run DMC, aka Mr. Dan McAuliffe, and by the man who I forgot to come up with a nickname for for this week's show. I'm talking about at DFF Moose, aka Mr. Mike McAuliffe, and by a very very special guest for tonight's draft recap. We are joined by former Framingham State legend, Mr. Alex Tordai. Gentlemen, how are we doing tonight? Woo, not too shabby. I'm excited, man. Post-draft now, getting into it. Um, I'm sure I'm going to have another take that you're able to uh, pull a clip for, someone that I'm saying really high on and it ends up being terrible in the league. So looking forward to, uh, to really being able to contribute to that on this, uh, this podcast today. Though I attest that you pressured me into Keyshawn Vaughn and I have nothing to do with that love. This is such a fabricated narrative. Nope. You've been pushing this in our group nope. chats, in Check our the league tapes. chats. Check Max the tapes. Roll it back. Me. Roll it back. We'll see. We'll see. Mike, how you doing tonight, buddy? No no video for Mike tonight. Mike, how you doing, bud? No, exactly. vid- <laughs> no video today. The Somerville, Massachusetts Wi-Fi is not agreeing <laughs> with me. But uh, yeah, man, I'm doing, doing good. Definitely uh, getting back. Uh, really in the swing of things with Dynasty Leagues right now. Got a couple startups, um, or one startup coming up. Uh, I've had a couple rookie drafts. It's been good. I'm getting very excited. Yeah, I'm excited to be here as well. Uh, second time in the Dynasty Dynamic. Could, couldn't be uh, couldn't be more ready for what's about to transpire here, guys. Thanks for having me back. Absolutely. Of course, man. buddy. I mean, second appearance. It's going to be hard to top the first one because the first one, the highs were as high. I love them. I absolutely love Odell. Uh, the one I have question marks on is Baker Mayfield. As the lows were questionable, talk to me about Kadarius Tony. Do you like him? Do you hate him? What What do you think the future holds for Tony? This kid reminds me of a bigger, slightly slower Tyreek Hill. See, this is this is the problem you get yourself into, Torts. You go for these top shelf comps. And uh, if Kadarius Tony is not in the league in two years, you know, that episode's still going to be floating out there. We'll see what happens. We'll see what happens. Am I, I right? I compared him athletically, and Tyreek Hill also has behavioral issues. So I would say... <laughs> pretty pretty spot either. on right now. <laughs> yeah. Agreed. Not to mention he was dealing with a very, very rough offense and injuries in year one. We'll see. I'm not giving up on him just yet. No, you are not. So let's get into the guys tonight that nobody is giving up on because we are fresh off the draft rookie drafts galore right now tweet of the week real quick before we get into the fun stuff by kevin clark we will throw it in the show description get it up on twitter but gentlemen the premise is very simple we went to the people the common man keep trade cuts rookie rankings pulled fresh today i want to see who's high on who who's low on who try to detangle some of these groupings of running backs and wide receivers. So I'm just going to go for it. I'm going to start to go down the list and the list starts with Brees Hall and we can move on to the next name on the list because <laughs> we do not need to talk about it. Brees <laughs> Hall is your 101. Dan, Mike, and I have been talking about this for a long time. So let's get to two through five. So right now we have Drake London at two, Traylon Burks at three, Kenny Walker at four, and Garrett Wilson at five. Torts, the guests always go first on this show, so I'm going to kick it to you. London, Burks, and Wilson, how are you detangling these players, and who are you highest on in rookie drafts right now? Actually, I, th- I think you already know my answer here. I'm highest on Kenneth Walker outside of all of uh, outside of Brees Hall. I think that there's some really great wide receiver talent here, but I think Kenneth is an absolute workhorse of a back. He is about an inch shorter than Brees Hall. He is about six pounds lighter than Brees Hall. But he is a little bit faster. He has great moves. I think he's a workhorse. And uh, I think that we're going to see a very strong freshman campaign from him. They're going to be running the ball a lot in Seattle. I couldn't stop you because the rant was so good. But let's talk wide receivers first. London, Burks, Wilson, who you got and why? I got. Uh, I, I definitely have uh, Drake London first, um, just on pure talent alone. I, I do think that Traylon Burks is stepping into an ideal situation, 
and Wilson's in a situation where he's going to be getting a lot of targets, but Drake London, a big body wide receiver in the mold of a Mike Evans. I mean, even though he doesn't have the best quarterback situation currently, uh, they do have another very high end piece on that offense in Kyle Pitts. And I think that London's going to, going to definitely shine alongside him. Even if he's, a, you know, essentially a second option there, he's going to be getting a lot of targets. They're going to be throwing the ball a lot. They're going to be behind in a lot of games. I like London for this year, for sure. That's my, that's my pick for this year. Long-term, I actually think Jamison Williams is the best of the bunch. But we haven't gotten there yet. So before we talk J-Mo, Dan, I'm going to toss it to you because pre-draft, it felt like Garrett Wilson was some, a lot of people's one of this group purely because he felt like the safest option. The production was there. We knew he was going to get the draft capital. Sitting at three, are you in agreement with keep trade cut right now and still having uh, London and Burks ahead of Garrett Wilson? Yeah, that's that's where I had him pre-drafts, right? And now seeing um, the people kind of agree there, that's probably where I have him post-draft as well. Uh, I just liked uh, some of the profiles out of London and uh, Burks better. Uh, I know some people are going to argue, well, Garrett Wilson went earlier in the process. Trust the NFL. They're the ones that had the option to choose between uh, Garrett Wilson and Traylon Burks. Um, but I still, I like the overall profile of Traylon Burks more. I love the alpha like build that he has. Um, and one team uh, is the one that gave up AJ Brown to then go after one of these guys. Uh, and it's Traylon Burks. The the other ones, they kind of had those picks. They fell into their lap. They, they chose the guy that they wanted. Titans had to go out and literally say, we trust being able to swap AJ Brown in for a Traylon Burks. There's plenty of contract negotiation stuff behind the scenes that we don't know about, right? Their propensity to even kept A.J. Brown at his cost. There's so many questions, but on draft day, they were able to make that decision. And so that's where I think Traylon Burks uh, sits at my two ahead of uh, Garrett Wilson in this regard. Okay, Mike, torts jump the gun on my uh, <laughs> my Brees Hall Kenneth Walker gap so I'm gonna I'm gonna ask you this question torts and I've been talking about this a lot do you think it's a massive gap in talent between Brees Hall and Kenneth Walker or are you super happy to get Kenneth Walker whether it's number two three four overall in your rookie drafts I mean look I definitely think there there is a pretty sizable gap in my eyes between hall and walker although you know you could argue that that walker is one of the most impressive uh running backs to come out of college in recent years especially with the his ability to create after contact that's where you see all these figures of where he is just completely elite in that respect um you know you could make the argument i know that the seahawks this upcoming year um definitely there's some unanswered questions particularly at the quarterback position Um, And I know that some people are definitely a little bit up in the air as far as what's the coaching situation going to look like over the next three years is Pete Carroll on the hot seat. But, you know, the the makeup of Kenneth Walker, I love the landing spot. I think, um, you know, I had predicted in some of our one of our shows uh, before that they might go with a running back high here. Um, He definitely some one of the knocks against him over the years uh, has been that he's not the best pass catcher, but the Seahawks don't usually use, uh, you know, running backs as pass catchers. So I think that he found a good uh, landing spot here. I think that, um, you know, the talent is close. I think that Brees Hall is going to get that right away, that three down unquestioned workhorse kind of treatment which I definitely think is not going to happen right out of the gate with Kenneth Walker. So I think that there's some potential um, that you're going to see some people starting to sour on Walker a tad um, if he doesn't immediately get that opportunity. But, you know, you also could be looking at a Javante Williams scenario where he does get enough work and people see how freaking awesome he is. Um, And, you know, we could I know that the Jets had a great draft and everyone can agree on that, but they're you know, there's the distinct possibility that things could not go exactly how people think they might and that they don't go so great. And Kenneth Walker is above Brees Hall in rankings next year. So I think that the the talent level, the gap is there. But as far as where they landed and stuff, we could be seeing that gap start to close a bit. Yeah, I tend to agree with you. I 
look at Brees Hall's profile and there's very few holes to poke there. Yeah. Um, guy that just was the man as soon as he stepped onto the field at Iowa State, back-to-back 1,500-yard seasons. And for Kenneth Walker, I'm not saying it is the biggest gap in the world, but I do think it's a jump. Um, we were joking that I was pretty much out on anybody not named Brees Hall in this draft class before we put pushed the record button. <laughs> and with Kenneth Walker, I think you pointed out a bunch of great things. It's the lack of receiving in college. It is, I mean, are we even sure? 100% sure, guys? 100% sure? Are we 100% sure he's better than Rashad Penny? Are we sure? He's our show yeah. mascot. So <laughs> I, I think, <laughs> I think we have to say fair, we're fair. not 100% sure. Um, and, and it's just... The Wake Forest thing still bothers me a little bit. And Taurus, I will let you, you know, give your two cents on this in a second. But, I mean, he couldn't seize the backfield for two years playing with guys that probably none of us would even recognize the name immediately. And, like I said, Brees Hall stepped on the field from day one. I'm the man. He's the guy I want. I think he's already a top 10 running back in Dynasty before, you know, unless something crazy happens. But, Tord, I will give you the last word on this. Oh, I will happily take it. I think that we look at Kenneth Walker and, you know, all the positives are there outside of the, you know, if you're actually looking at him as a player and not necessarily super focused on the stats and you think about what he could be at the next level and just project his last season in college into the next level, I don't think there's a gap. If you want to look at the body of work, I don't think there's a huge gap. If you want to look at the whole body of work, yes, there's a gap. But we're just talking, you know, what have you done for me lately? That's the way I view this. And Kenneth Walker, yeah, he had his highest reception season his last year. Yeah, Brees Hall caught a lot more passes. I'll give that to him. But I don't think Walker necessarily has bad hands, and it was more the scheme and the way that they utilized him rather than um, his his actual abilities. And then I look at guys like Alvin Kamara. I look at guys that you know didn't get that shine in college ever. And I see what Kenneth did in his last year when he actually got the shine. And it tells me that, okay, this guy's ready for the pros. He, all the stats, you know, from this last season, that's what I'm focused on. Not what he did as a, as a junior, or I mean, not what he did at Wake Forest, you know? So that's where my head's at. I'm standing by Kenneth Walker and I can't wait to get on, get on this show a few weeks into the season and say, I told you so. Already sending himself an invite for the mid-season show. <laughs> well, you are definitely, if you're talking about the absence of raw production, you're making the case for a guy who will probably talk about uh, mid-second round on this list. But let's keep it moving for now. Dan, Jamison Williams, Chris Olave, Sky Moore, and Christian Watson kick off this next tier of receivers at the back of the first round. And, I mean, George Pickens, if we want to keep stretching it. But I want to keep these groups yeah. tight. I mean, JMO was a guy that you had projected could be the first wide receiver off yep. the board, or maybe that was Mike's projection. I forget. Um, how are you detangling this group here? Yeah. So in fairness, I mean, it's funny that you group these four together because I would have Jameson in a tier above those other three that you listed off there. Um, for me, I think he kind of stands, stands apart uh, a bit. Uh, I am very excited to see what he's able to do. I just felt like he had... Of all those other guys, I think they very well could work out to be great kind of wide receiver twos over the course of their career if they're given some opportunities. I don't see as much of a ceiling for any of those other three that you're listing as compared to what Jameson Williams is able to do. He has some hurdles to climb, though. Let's be honest in this. ACL, uh, definitely one thing that he's going to have to overcome there. The Lions offense in itself is a is an obstacle to climb, though I really do like what Dan Campbell's doing. Um, I would say he walks into this really being probably one of the better wide receivers in this core and hasn't even had a snap in the NFL there. So I really like what he's doing there. Those other ones, they all in some way, shape or form start to feel like reaches for me in this area. I know that you see um, Sky Moore and Christian Watson. They go to great offenses, right? Um, they had decent profiles, but I think now they're really being piped up the board a little bit there. Olave, I like, again, he's probably one of the ones that's most stable um, in terms of like his probable floor in the NFL uh, in, for fantasy, but I feel like he was a bit of a reach um, for the NFL as a whole. I mean, I look at him and he literally went before Traylon Burks. I was like, wow, all right, they really are high on Olave for whatever reason there. So I, this is kind of, in my opinion, why I don't 
like after pick six in uh, in most rookie drafts right now because I'm having a really hard time detangling them. They all have some kind of different perks and benefits and features to them, but I also am not interested in paying a, a mid to, to back end first for a lot of these guys as it stands. That's kind of my opinion as, as it is right now. Do you guys remember the episode of Family Guy where Stewie starts cloning and the clone, every clone gets just like a little worse. It's like 90% of the clone. That is Garrett Wilson and Chris Olave going back to back in the NFL yeah, yeah. draft. Yeah. And I mean, the Saints traded up for this guy. I do think he has a very well-rounded profile. Yeah, exactly. Not, not much of an after the catch guy. I mean, we've talked about Jamison Williams, you know, a little bit of a one-year wonder, Albeit he did it in the toughest conference in college football on the team that everybody comes and takes their shots at the champ every week Um, towards Jamison Williams. We saw him go as high as one Oh three in a rookie draft. We were all in together. Is, is that where you're at? You were saying long-term you think he could be the guy out of this group. Absolutely. Uh, If, if he doesn't have this ACL tear, I think he's the number one wide receiver drafter, at least the second wide receiver drafted in this draft. I mean, I'm, if he doesn't have the ACL Terry's there, I couldn't believe when he went 103. That was I was I was pretty surprised, but you know yeah. that's that's the beauty of dynasty. Exactly. Uh, this someone's planning for the long term. He's probably going to be back in October, November. Uh, you know, we'll we'll see what he can do. But I the talents there, and it's funny that you know we're talking about Jamison Williams after having really only one year of elite production when you know we're kind of down on Kenneth Walker over here. And uh, not to go backwards in our conversation, but that's fair. It's, it's somewhat similar. I like somewhat it. similar. I, I mean, if you want to get into the game theory for me, I don't want to spend a pick on either of these guys. I really don't, especially when you're going to have to pay this price. You know, I mean, we rewind a couple years ago and it's like you had five stud running backs at the top of the draft. You know, I mean, you could get Jonathan Taylor at the 102 pushing other talent down. Yeah, I, there's a lot of these guys that I just do not like. I mean, we're in enough rookie drafts together. You guys saw me trading down, trading out, trading into 2023. Yep. There's enough red flags on all of these guys. Christian Watson's one that we didn't even really drill into. I mean, I don't think if he doesn't test out as a freak at the combine, I don't think he gets this draft capital. I mean, yeah, not a ton. you know really just left a lot to be desired in terms of his overall profile but then he basically tested out like calvin johnson so i think that there's just red flags with all of these guys mike i'm gonna give it to you clustered in the middle here sky Moore. i feel like he's somebody i've seen you take a shot on in rookie drafts recently number eight feel about right to you are you higher on him lower on him where you at on sky Moore? Yeah, so th- honestly, this is right about where I have him. Um, I do agree with Dan had mentioned earlier that I do believe definitely Jameson Williams is is not part of this tier for me um, with Olave and, and Watts, and he's he's much further up. Um, but more, I definitely am putting him in front of Watson uh, for the reasons that you had stated, Max. I like what I saw as far as Sky Moore's college production. Um, if I'm not mistaken, I do believe that he went. Uh, he's coming from the same school as uh, Corey Davis, Corey Davis oh, <laughs> who we have we have seen as the being a, a productive college guy who so there there are certainly some concerns there for me that um definitely understand but you know this guy is a uh, converted uh cornerback um that seems to have fantastic hands an amazing ability to create after the catch which i think is exactly what uh the chiefs obviously are looking for uh, having traded away tyreek hill um, I definitely have the utmost faith in Andy Reid to deploy him in a way that's going to, um, you know, bring out hit the, his strengths. I think that he's going to the strongest offense of any of these guys. Um, so, you know, I could possibly make an argument that I would put him over Chris Olave, but that draft capital is too good to deny. I think that he could definitely make some um some real magic with with mt there in new orleans or without him you're looking at him as the main target there so um sky Moore, though that's uh, i would put him behind olavi right now but i definitely think there's a good chance that we could see him sky uh, skyrocketing up rankings come uh come september the rare small school early declare playing with patrick mahomes i think it's absolutely possible that the buzz continues to build nestled in here at number nine Mitch Trubisky's locker mate, Kenny Pickett. 
<laughs> I, I'm gonna I'm gonna give Torts first shot at this one. I mean, are you comfortable spending a late first on Kenny Pickett? It feels like the only guy that you can realistically kind of take in the mid to late first with some feeling of safety. How could you not be comfortable taking Pickett with a late first? How could you not be in a super flex? I mean, come on. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we need quarterbacks to play. We need this quarterbacks. Guy's, this guy's got elite talent around him. I mean, Fryermuth, Harris, Claypool, Deontay Johnson, Pickens, which who are who we're gonna get to soon. I mean, there's a lot of talent in that Pittsburgh offense. Kenny Pickett has tiny baby hands, and that <laughs> that worried some people. But you know, I was reading that he actually just has a, a double jointed thumb. And that that's the whole reason that they measured. Is that so why small. he had 39 fumbles in college? Yep. It was just the double jointed thumb, which should actually help Classic. him be a better quarterback. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but For I, those I, of you at home that can't see it, Tordai's doing air quotes with his eyes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all, all jokes aside. No, I, I do feel comfortable. I think Pickett, you know, with that draft capital they've invested in him has at least three years of leash as a Pittsburgh Steelers quarterback. And, uh, you know, in a super flex league and the back of the end of the first round, I'm willing to take that chance. I may have baited some people into thinking I was taking him earlier than I was uh, in some other rookie drafts. <laughs> and I absolutely had no intentions of that, <laughs> as some of you may recall. But in the back end of the first round, I'm definitely fine with taking Pickett. Never underestimate the mental games in the league chat when you try to psych out people and make uh, make them think you're going to take a player when you really don't care. So this is, to me, where things start to get really interesting, right? And, um, you know, I know Dan's been very vocal about this in at least our little group chat about how, like, after it hits pick 13, ADP kind of goes out the window. So we are hitting that first, second round turn, and Keep Trade Cut has George Pickens at 11, Jahan Dotson at 12 and James Cook at 13. Dan, I'm going to give you first shot at this and I'm going to lead it in with this. I don't think it's crazy that we could look back a couple years from now and say, wow, I cannot believe George Pickens was going outside the first round in rookie drafts. Yep. Honestly, okay. Well, you, you, you teed it up because I do think of the <laughs> I didn't that know group, what you were going to yeah, say. So. I, I, would, I would easily say that George Pickens, uh, I think the only reason why he fell uh, this far is it's been reported that he has some off the field issues. And I think that's really is one of the only major things that a lot of people were taking a look at there. So do I honestly, I mean, when I look at, um, I look at certain teams that draft certain positions sometimes, right? And Pittsburgh wide receivers, they do their homework. They make wide receivers into something special. And so even if he falls farther, heck, like a, a Steelers picking in the, him in the second is like another team picking him in the first. It's honestly, again, uh, poor um, Washington who picked Dotson ahead of him. Big swing and a miss there, in my opinion. Big overdraft there. So to literally like that, I, I don't ding his draft capital at all there because at the um, 20th pick of the second round, like, come on, easy, easy money for me. Pickens is a is a boss. He seriously, uh, I think, is going to clear and jump ahead of a good few of the guys that we maybe chatted about before uh, if he hits right. Uh, it was it was an awkward situation with having Chase Claypool, if I'm not mistaken, announce the pick for Pickens there. Um, I think he's going to be yeah, coming tough. after his job there pretty quick, so he better watch out and step up. Um, so of the, that, that crew that you're talking about there, George Pickens, I, I think he's the easy one that you'd be talking about in that group. Man, uh, remember getting him in the back of the first because now he's worth X. Kevin Colbert, or Colbert, I don't know how you say it. That is the man behind the Steelers wide receivers, one of the best general managers in all of football, and they have been doing it for years. Yeah. I agree. I think Jahan Dotson feels overdrafted in the NFL draft, probably about where you need to take him in rookie drafts, given the draft capital. Um, You know, later breakout coming out of school, kind of, you know, he he has the size, he has the speed, but not really the size. I've been kind of taking him, forced to take him, kind of at this point in drafts, and I feel I feel okay about it. But I really want to get to a player that I have seen all over the place on boards. <laughs> I saw him go in the top half of the first round in one of our rookie drafts. I've seen him late first. I've seen him early second. And Mike, I'm going to toss it to you first. James Cook, 
sitting here. Oh, baby. Number 13, what are your thoughts on this? I so this is this is tough cuz obviously with after Hall and Walker, you're looking at a lot of question marks in my opinion. We all know that. I definitely think that this is probably a re- about the right place to be taking him at the beginning of the second round. I saw a lot of drafts that I was in where people were taking him, um, you know, as high as the number eight overall, number 10 overall pick. Personally, with James Cook, uh, you know, I think that Buffalo was viewed as a great landing spot for someone like Brees Hall, where you could definitely envision him coming in there and immediately being that three down back. I think that people have taken that opinion, just shifted it over to whoever landed with Buffalo and said, this guy is going to be great. Personally, I do not think that James Cook is, uh, you know, a scrub by any means. I think, though, that it's clear from, you know, how he was used in college, um, you know, where he was where he was drafted, that he's not a workhorse. He's not going to be the type of guy that's going out and, get, and getting, you know, 12 to 15 plus carries. He, in college, I think I had taken a look, he had never averaged much more than, I think, eight carries a game in college, was never given that full workload. Um, his one of the things that he's touted for is his receiving ability where you already have in Buffalo a guy like Devin Singletary who proved last year finally for a lot of people that had been holding on being patient he is more than capable of holding that down that kind of pass catching role um, and you know in some of our conversations in our in our chat as well the main rusher there is Mr. Josh Allen he's the one that's going to be you know uh, vulturing those goal line opportunities um, I have, you know, some serious reserva- reservations about Cook and think that, that you know, if you're taking him in the middle of the second round, that's great. He's part of a great offense. Um, and, you know, in a in a thin year for running backs, definitely you got to reach on some guys. But I'm not seeing it. I don't see him as the type of guy that's going to continue ascending. I think we might be seeing, not that we're seeing peak value right now, but people are putting a lot on the fact that he just landed with the right team. I think yeah. I might be seeing some peak value. I saw him go at 106 in a rookie <laughs> yeah. draft. I saw him go at 106. Oh, baby. <laughs> and I can't tell if Tordai is listening to this or not, but I'm just going to read it off real quick. I mean, sub 200 pound player, right? So already just dinged by the NFL scouting world, right? As, as like, this guy's probably not a workhorse unless he turns into Christian McCaffrey. Four years Four years at Georgia, only 230 rushing attempts, Mike, to your point. And, I mean, he just never did anything in college. He really didn't. And I've heard of lightly used Georgia backs. If you're competing with DeAndre Swift for touches, that's fine. I mean, he was getting outproduced by Zamir White, who's now going behind him in rookie drafts. And I just, I think if you're going to take him early second, I'm fine with that. Because in this territory, the, I mean, the wide receivers are kind of dicey at the top of the draft. Like, I love me some Traylon Burks. He's still my wide receiver one. But it's dicey at the top of the draft. It does not get any better going into the early second yeah. round. So pick your upside. Pick your George Pickens and understand that he might miss. Or pick your James Cook and understand that the Bills don't even really throw to running backs that much. Dan, you look like you want to say something. Uh, the, the only thing I was going to say is who um, ended up being so close to signing with the Bills and then all of a sudden got clawed back by his old team and makes for a nightmare on fantasy purposes. J.D. McKissick. <laughs> they want a back like that. They wanted a back like J.D. McKissick to go in, be a fantastic receiving back that can kick, take some carries, isn't just a, 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 three, a third down back, can get in the mix on some other stuff. But now everyone's saying, okay, okay, yeah, they wanted that. And now they've got James Cook, who fits that prototype very well but saying no but he's going to be so much more than that and that i don't get that i think is hard and believe me does he have some upside absolutely but just don't be pegging him as uh something that is going to be more than that i think that's a fantastic point i mean that's probably exactly how i was thinking like knowing that they were looking for that type of a back and seeing well, obviously Dalvin Cook and saying to myself, what if James Cook can just add on another 10 pounds of muscle? Could he be so much more than just that receiving back? And then if his floor is just that receiving back and he's getting 40 receptions, you know, potentially 500, 600 yards there, can he get another 300 to 400 yards on the ground? Potentially. And that's the way, you know, I've been thinking about it. But, but I think that, the dream is for James to develop into um, that that full time back, but 
at the end of the day, he's a lot older than his brother was when he came into the league as well. So that's something yeah. that I, I have my eye on as well. Yeah, we're, we're here to protect the listeners. Please do not be going James Cook in the mid-first round. Okay, trade back, trade back, trade out, do something. We are here to protect you and keep you safe. Uh, Torts, I'm going to let you kick off this next tier because it starts with your guy. So at 14, a guy I projected on our bold predictions. I can't even remember if they were bold or not. I said he was going to go two in the draft. Huge, huge miss right there. Malik Willis. Brian Tannehill's new backup uh, and Rashad White, Damian Pierce. Okay. So we got a quarterback that's basically a running back and then two other kind of upside running backs. Who do you like here? I know you're a Willis guy. Are you still pounding the table for him? If you can get him in the early second, I'm, I'm pounding the table for him late first. If you're QB needy and you're, you're honestly, I, I couldn't, I couldn't like want him more, uh, at, at, like th- this Tennessee Titans situation, I don't think Tannehill is going to last. I think that Malik Willis is set up for success. They've got a young wide receiver for him to grow with. They've still got Derrick Henry for him to lean on. And the threat of a Malik Willis and a Derrick Henry in the same backfield would terrorize NFL defenses. I don't think Tannehill is going to last through the season. I think this is going to be Malik's team. And you know, I think that he's going to seize this opportunity and he's going to ball out. They've got Robert Woods. They've got, uh, you know, Traylon Burks. I, I really, I mean, obviously if AJ Brown was there, I'd, I'd feel even better, but at the same time, AJ Brown being gone, you know, there, there's, there's two brand new wide receivers that Tannehill doesn't have that rapport with yet. And I could see Malik building that rapport and winning the job over Tannehill in training camp. If all goes well. So you think a healthy Ryan Tannehill, no injuries. You're not going to Titans training camp with a pipe and taking out Ryan Tannehill. You think Malik Willis has a legitimate start, uh, uh, chance to start this year. I do. I do. Why not? Why wouldn't you? The guy I mean, draft capital, set. historical draft capital would tell us otherwise. That is I, the one thing working against him right now. Right. Um, and, and that's kind of, that's kind of where I'm at. You know, every team I was, I listen, I was fooled. Okay. We build up to the draft. I mean, this guy had like what, 149 broken tackles. Like I was all in. He has the skill set. And then I watched every team pass on him at least twice. And now I'm concerned. So, Dan, you looked like you wanted to jump in there. Uh, I just don't know if I'm cool taking Malik Willis at the back of the first, even in Superflex leagues. Yeah, that's the only thing. Is he's still the same player, right? He's still the same player that we all loved for like the talent that was there. It's just sometimes you got to question, is the NFL trying to tell you something? Um, and should we be a little bit more buyer beware with this? Because, Max, as you're saying, you would be wary of a lot of quarterbacks in previous draft classes taken in the second. It's like, ah, okay, well, we didn't get first-round capital because that's basically like the, what you are required to be able to have a confident investment from a fantasy perspective in a, in a quarterback there. These guys are going to the third, fourth. Like, that's... I love being able to take some of these guys uh, late in my rookie drafts for Superflex. There's some that fall into the third. I just have a hard time pushing the button on anyone in the second here because it's it really just isn't giving me enough confidence. Where if, if they fall to the third here, NFL, especially in, in those quarterback situations with Tannehill, NFL would be stupid not to take these quarterbacks at that point, I think. But at that point, I think it's almost an insurance play and not a confidence play. And that's that's why I'm I'm mostly out of both of these these quarterbacks that we're talking about in the second round. So I can't tell because we got this static picture of super cool Mike with his sunglasses on. I have no idea when he wants to jump into the show. So he gets the next question. Mike, we got two upside running backs. We got the reception monster, Rashad White. And after the last show we did, guy I'm starting to call the model breaker, uh, Damian Pierce. Mm-hmm. Who do you like between these two? If if I'm on the clock and I have the choice between these two guys, I I think I have to go Damian Pierce. Um, you know, this is the type of guy that you know he's he's stepping into a situation where he's going to be competing with Marlon Mack coming off a. Of crazy uh you know serious achilles injury um he's going to be competing with rex burkhead and i think that's pretty much it at this point so you know he's only getting fourth round draft capital here so nothing is pointing towards him having some sort of secure job heading into camp 
But um, the way in which he runs, I think, is going to be very effective in the NFL. I think he's definitely he's kind of a bowling ball uh, on the field. If you ask me, he looks like the kind of guy that has a nose for the end zone. Um, if you look at some of his elusiveness ratings, some of his agility ratings, his ability to um, you know to to push through contact, I think that that's going to translate pretty darn well uh, to the NFL. I just if if I'm talking about two guys that both did not get impressive draft capital, I'm going to look towards the guy that's going to have the opportunity to produce for me this upcoming year. Am I going to possibly look if if I'm drafting him, am I going to possibly look to flip him halfway through the year for uh you know a 2023 pick or something like that? Sure. Um but I you know I think with White, he's going into a situation where the Buccaneers just signed Leonard Fournette to a 3-year contract. He helped them win a Super Bowl. He's not going anywhere anytime soon, if you ask me, for at least for the next two years. And Rashad White's coming into the NFL already at 23 years old. So say, you know, he eventually gets that opportunity to take over that pass-catching role, and I'm sure he'll get um, some targets this year and definitely be part of their offense. But I think that I would see his dra- his stock falling a tad, and I think that Damian Pierce has a much bigger chance to see his value rise. So that's where I'm at with those two. Yeah, I think Rashad White, I'm still comfortable, you know, with with him here in rookie drafts. I think he presents some serious asymmetrical upside, right? Like if Fournette was ever to mm-hmm. miss games or go down, I mean, Certainly. people were flipping. I've And I was one of these people, right? Uh, people were flipping Khalil Herbert last year, right? And I mean, he was probably going in the fourth yeah. round of your rookie drafts, yeah. maybe undrafted. Rashad White probably yeah. has the tougher path to carries. Towards, are we a hundred percent sure that Damian Pierce is going to beat out Marlon Mack for the job? What do, well, what do you think on this? So how does this affect Marlon Mack? Right? <laughs> Sleeper <laughs> wants to know. Sleeper <laughs> wants to know. <laughs> I was hoping someone uh, would say it. Oh, how can you right. not? It's it's one. Of, it's probably the best running joke I've ever seen in regards to fantasy football. It's just outstanding. Um, <laughs> Good clarification. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah man. But, you know, I, I, I think that they're probably going to split carries. Um, Damian Pierce, obviously younger, you know, less of an injury history than Marlon Mack. Mack has fantastic talent. He really does. And, you know, I think that there's going to be a really good split between the two. And I don't expect to, there to be a true work, workhorse there, barring some sort of an injury. I expect them to be splitting up the carries. You know, no need to burn out Damian Pierce or Marlon Mack, especially with Mack coming off an injury. I, uh, yeah, uh, I'm, I'm expecting this to be a, a running back by committee with, uh, with these two. I'm going to take this next one in a tier of one because we did a pre-rookie mock draft and I planted my flag on pick 12 when people were projecting Desmond Ritter to go at the back of the first round saying Desmond Ritter in rookie drafts, if he gets first round draft capital, I'm all about it. So now I sweep that under the rug, pretend like that never happened. Dan, your boy, Marcus Mariota. I heard a great nickname for Desmond Ritter. They called him Mainland Mariota. Okay. <laughs> like to keep it between like <laughs> to keep right. it between the numbers, not a couple of risky awesome. throwers. <laughs> I who, love it. Who do you think is starting for Atlanta in week seventeen this year? Um, I think it is going to be Marcus Mariota. And and honestly, here's why. I think he is going to be a great Marcus Mariota isn't gonna hold on to that job forever. We we know that. I I but I do think they want to be able to have someone who can teach Ritter his ways. And as you're saying, there's those comparisons. They're very similar players in a lot of regards. But I do know that Arthur Smith coming in and saying, Mariota, I want to bring you on board to my team. There's camaraderie there. I don't think he's going to burn his boy like that. I think he's going to use this opportunity to get um, a year of great production out of Mariota. If Mariota blows everyone away, then, man, do you have one of the best understudies to be able to keep that system running the way that he, uh, Arthur Smith wants to there. If he doesn't, and you know what, he just kind of pieces it together, I think he said... You know what, Mario? We gave you your one-year shot. You're my boy, but we also brought you on to be able to help bring the the next wave of youth in here with Ritter and giving him a shot there. That's how I see that playing out. I don't think that you're going to get a Desmond Ritter immediately seeing the field this season. Um, is there a chance with Mariota sometimes being a hurt boy, um, getting a, a earlier chance? Yeah, sure. 
but I do believe that it's Mariota's job to lose. Um, and I'm excited for both of them. I mean, I've always felt that Mariota deserved a second shot. Uh, when he came in filling for Carr, I mean, heck, he, he, there were a couple of games that he was like really looking good. And I was like, man, he, I really want to see him get another shot. I hope he does. Uh, and even if he doesn't shortly after this, maybe we get to see the reincarnate uh, with Desmond Ritter here uh, with the uh, Atlanta Falcons taking a, a shot on him. All right, so we're moving past the mid-second round and towards you're definitely getting first crack of this one because I know there's a guy here that I've seen you taking higher than he's ranked on Keep Trade Cut right now. Yep. So we have David Bell at 18, Isaiah Spiller at 19, Trey McBride, the only really relevant tight end so far, and uh, John Mechie at 21. We were just talking about James Cook right? And all the variations there. We're talking about Rashad White and his path to carries being difficult. We're talking about Damian Pierce. Why does this matter for Marlon Mack, right? All these are question marks. Meanwhile, at number 19, we have a guy that produced from an early age, three years in the SEC, great production, was a lot of film grinders, running back one prior to uh, Brees Hall setting the combine on fire, Towards, I know you're loving seeing Isaiah Spiller this low in rookie drafts because you were just going to be gobbling up shares of that running back at that point. Couldn't agree more. Uh, I think the situation's actually really good. They're they're dying for that second running back in in the in the in the Chargers offense, and they're going to give him every chance that that uh, he can possibly have to win that job, uh, especially with Eckler getting up there in age. I mean, this kid's 20 years old. He's not even 21 yet. And the only thing, the only knock on him is that he runs a four, six only knock. Hey, David Montgomery runs a four, six. I'm just he saying does. he does. Other guys have run, you know, slow times. And I think that Isaiah Spiller probably has, you know, a little bit of room to improve speed wise. I think there's, you know, it can happen when you're, when you're that slow as a running back, there's there, you can do it. If you put in the work and train hard enough, have the right trainers, figure it out everything else this kid has he has hands he has you know between the tackles ability he's smart he's got great vision good cuts he's got it all in my opinion outside of that speed when you watch the tape on him a lot of times he'll be he'll be just one step too slow to break a gigantic runoff it's it's almost maddening because you look at him and you say wow if he just ran a 4-4 flat just a 4-4 flat 4-4-5 even this kid would have probably been right there uh with Brees hall as as the number one a or one b player in the running back position this year i i love that you can get him at this cost and i love what you brought up about him as a receiver, right? Because there's one thing being able to be a guy that runs a swing route and catches a dump off. And there's a difference between doing what Isaiah Spiller was able to do at Texas A&M, like shifting out to the slot, like the stuff that he can do as a receiver, extremely versatile, obviously Justin Herbert commanding that offense, let alone if Austin Eckler was to ever miss games, right? And, and somebody who's pretty much come out publicly in the last year or two and said, like, I do not need to be a 90% opportunity guy. Like, that's not what he built his career on. So I think Isaiah Spiller is going to see the field pretty soon. Um, I'm going to rewind to pick 18, Dan, and continue the brand right here. David Bell, I've taken him higher in rookie drafts than this. We've been in rookie drafts competing for him. He got the draft capital that we were wishing for just a couple of weeks ago. You think 18 feels right, or are you pushing him even higher in rookie drafts? No, I think that feels right, right? I mean, I I end up trading up to get him. I see him fall so much farther than this, uh, and it's almost like I'm in this conundrum where I want to see how far he can fall to see where the value is, but I don't want to miss out on him, so I end up just pushing the, the ADP way higher. This ADP is probably mostly influenced by me in itself. I've, I've probably done a thousand keep trade cuts things. I'm sure David <laughs> Bell is getting pushed up there somehow, um, but I, I am so glad to see that a player like this got the draft capital, right? Because I think it was a uh, last pod, uh, maybe two ago that we were chatting about him. And it was basically, if this guy gets uh, day two draft capital wheels up, I'm, I'm excited to see what he can do with that. But players like this fall into day three and the abyss of the, the sixth or seventh round. And then it's like, I can't do that to myself again. This is still even reminiscent of a Brian Edwards, right? Who goes in round three, uh, to Las Vegas Raiders, and all of a sudden, still, yeah, we're being stung by that one. Um, jury's still out, but 
Uh, well, so we'll you guys are I, that, don't, I don't have much hope. You guys are that high on Bell even with the 40 time he has? Yes. I am. If if he had gone towards if he had gone, we 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 did this episode a couple weeks ago and I was saying, "Dan, let's not let ourselves get hurt again because we loved Tyler Johnson when he was coming out of Minnesota and we loved um my goodness, Dan, how am I blanking on this name right now? I don't know who you Come think on, of. Oklahoma State. Come on. Uh, Tylen Wallace. There oh, it is. Thank you. Jeez. And we loved Tylen Wallace coming out last year. Don't worry. I'll fix that in post-production. There we go. Like um, no, we keep it real on the dynamic. <laughs> so yes, we love those two guys. And the NFL just flat out told us towards, we don't like these players. Like we're not drafting them. We're not investing any significant capital in these guys. David Bell goes in the third round. I mean, they said, Hey, we've seen the athletic testing and we've seen, I mean, he has like hundred percentile breakout age. All the advanced metrics are awesome. Like Fantastic this is the step forward. Runner. This is the step forward that I am looking for NFL franchises to take. Right. I mean, and I get it that it is slightly harder to win without that, you know, with, with that level of athleticism. But I mean, he did it for three years at Purdue. He, he was competing with Rondell Moore, super early breakout. I think there's so much to like at David Bell. Um, I've, I've even taken a mid-second in a couple drafts and paired with Deshaun Watson and Amari Cooper. I mean, there's some players on that depth chart that I like, but I mean, would any of us even think it's crazy if he's the starting second wide receiver week one? Absolutely not. Yeah, I, I do like some of those other guys, but they play such Definitely different not. roles. Um, this is an opportunity to be able to take on the Jarvis Landry role uh, in the typical Browns totally. type of area. Like that is the, Absolutely. he's filling that role to a T. And I mean, I, again, not to, to re, uh, relate to other greatness, but like Anquan Bolden ran a, a four seven one forty. Like there's there's certain prototypes that can work that don't need to be super athletic. But if you're a good route runner, have fantastic hands. I I I always I know I've called the Browns a, a garbage franchise multiple times on this show. So, they are. But I do, <laughs> and they are. But I did it's like okay. watch behind they the are. Browns <laughs> and looking at like what their thought process is on the draft, and they were not leaving that draft without. Uh, David Bell there, and they had some really good conversations with them. I'm stoked to see what he can do. He's playing with Deshaun Watson, uh, or maybe ba Baker Mayfield for a little bit if there's some suspension stuff. But regardless, I'm excited for the dude, uh, and I really do think he's another one, just like we were talking about Pickens, that I think later on people are going to be, man, mid-second for David Bell? But that's my two cents. All right, Mike, I still can't tell when you were going to jump in the show or not. So I apologize <laughs> if I haven't been showing you the love, but I'm going to no, let man. you close out the second round here. So Trey McBride, which I'm sure Dan was just itching to talk about that production, those video game numbers he put up. Trey McBride at 20, <laughs> John Mechie at 21, Alec Pierce at 22, and Matt Corral at 23. My guy, Tyler Algier, fallen to 24 to close out the second round. You get first shot, buddy. Which of these is your favorite and why? So if I'm looking at this list here, I have got to go with John Mechie to the Houston Texans here. So if you're trying to, you know, use the, the analytics and the breakout ages and, um, you know, stuff like that to be able to evaluate receivers, I would identify John Mechie as a guy that is just extremely hard to use that kind of data with when he's on the field at Alabama throughout his, I, th I believe he was there for three years, competing with guys like Jerry Judy, Devonta Smith, Jalen Waddell, Henry Ruggs, uh, who we won't <laughs> dive into more. But, you know, with this kind of guy, watching the tape, the tape doesn't lie to me. I love his route running ability. I have not seen him drop many passes. I think that he's a shorthanded kind of guy that could very well really ascend up the board. Especially with his landing spot, I know that the uh, Texans, they just locked up Brandon Cooks, uh, I believe, to a, at least a two- or three-year deal. Um, so you'll have him as, as the main target there. You got Nico Collins, who went in the first round last year, who, you know, did not have that great of a year last year. He's going to be the field stretcher down the field, 6'4", uh, getting up and getting the ball. I think that John Mechie fits perfectly into there uh, as an over-the-middle kind of slot guy that could really pair well uh, with Mills there, I know that you know people talk about who was one of the most impressive quarterbacks uh, of the rookies last year, and Davis Mills seems to not be getting quite as much love when obviously the Texans weren't that great of a team. But I think 
that he could be a very good target for him. I think that the Texans, you know, they're going to be inclined to really check out all this new young talent that they've drafted. So I think that so long as Mechie is uh, doing well and healthy, he had he had torn his ACL, um, I think, back in uh, January or around then. Um, so it's going to be a bit of a uphill battle throughout camp. But I think that he easily, out of this group of guys, has by far the highest upside could be someone that guys uh, or the analysts and uh, dynasty leaguers such as ourselves were maybe overlooking because of how much competition he was dealing with. And uh, yeah, I'm just excited to see what he's got this year. Mike, remind me to uh, send a letter to the mayor of Somerville and tell him I'd like to buy some fiber optic cables for the city because uh, I think we got most of that. Thank God we're recording this locally and hopefully. Well, yeah, everything... I was gonna say my OBS got that, so hopefully, uh, hopefully the listeners get all the good stuff there. But I think you're right. I mean, a guy that clearly the Texans. I mean, not that they're the greatest franchise in the world, but felt comfortable spending second round draft capital on. I mean. Yeah. There, I mean, he did find his way to Alabama, right? Like one of the top schools exactly. every single year. So it doesn't feel like the sexy pick at the back of the second, but I could totally see some, mm-hmm. some pieces there. Um, this is the part of the draft where I really start to get with my picks. Um, yeah. Dan, do you want to chime in on Trey McBride? I feel like it's just kind of your duty at this point. I um no I I honestly I I like the landing spot we saw um past tight ends actually able to to have some relevance there you're also looking at a suspension for um DeAndre Hopkins right now so you saw Christian Kirk get out of there you got Hopkins uh who's going to be serving the uh the suspension there so you're going to see some early opportunities for Trey McBride going into this year um don't reach for him I mean in, in tight end premium I can see him going in this area. I would prefer to, in any non-Titan premium, see him going towards the, the very back of the second. I've seen him go in the early second in that regard. Um, I think he's going to get ops. I think he's a good player. Um, but as you said, with this draft class, he's he's just kind of like tight end light as compared to some of the other draft classes we've seen with, uh, with tight ends. And I'm not looking to invest heavy until he falls to the second for me. It, it just feels weird. Um, I mean, he put up one of the greatest tight end seasons in college we've ever seen yeah. um like everything you read i'm not grinding the trey mcbride blocking tape uh you yeah. know respectable blocker all the scouts yep. say it it just feels so interesting you know like his his i don't know i'm not really sure how to value trey mcbride but i think if you're tight end needy and you want to take a shot at the end of the second round go for it um yeah. i'm not really into some of these guys that close out the round alec pierce matt corral if you guys feel differently chime in i mean at this point you're kind of taking some late shots on some of these quarterbacks it's not your average superflex rankings but i can tell you that i am probably gonna have a whole lot of tyler algier in these drafts and pretty much a wide open depth chart um not a great team to be trying to uh score a whole lot of touchdowns on yeah but very very fun player converted linebacker solid athleticism feature back size i mean he had 1600 rushing yards last year with 28 receptions like at the back of second round like i'm i'm taking that all the time you guys like tyler algier or am i totally crazy over here I do. I mean, when I when I first was seeing his name pop up as I was kind of looking through, I was definitely impressed by some of uh, the production that he had. I liked the size that he had there. Uh, I really just do. I struggle with fifth round at that point. Um, I probably wouldn't take him till the third. Uh, personally, I don't blame you if you're if you're really strapped for a running back and you don't have a third round pick. This is or from like the that. same guy who says ADP's out the window as soon as it hits the second round. Yeah, yeah, but this this is good. this is one guy I feel like is being pushed up a, a little bit further. So I'm not going to I'm personally is what I'm saying, third round. If you're going to take him in the back of the second, honestly, I have no problem cuz as you said, ADP is out the window, get your guy. Uh this is a messy class. The only thing as we've been saying is our our opinion is any of those late firsts, early seconds, trade back and pick up another pick along the way, then I'm super happy because then I got Tyler Algier who probably has just as uh, uh, good of a chance of being able to compete as uh, some of the earlier guys that we were chatting about, right? So I like it. I think he's a good talent. Um, the only thing you worry about is, is there a bunch of scoring opportunities on an Atlanta offense this year? Maybe not as much, um, but there's probably not going to be on the Houston Texans either. So again, if you're talking about Damian Pierce or Taylor Argier, if you're able to trade back, pick up a pick and pick him instead, I wouldn't be, hap- I wouldn't be upset about it. Torts, I'm going to let you kick off the third round, buddy. 
and you better not take Dan's guy here. So we got <laughs> at 25, Wandell Robinson, 26, Zamir White, 27, Brian Robinson, and 28, Jalen Tolbert. Anybody you love on the board here at the start of the third round? Yeah, I, li- I love the guy at number 29, Sam Howell. We're not there yet, buddy. All right. We're not there. Right. Let's I'm keep sorry. you focused. Let's keep you focused. Sorry. Um, you know, I look at Zamir White, and I'm not impressed with him as a prospect, but I do see that Josh. You Jacobs... mean the guy that was outproducing James Cook at Georgia all those years? Yeah. 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 But, yeah. you know, I just – in the <laughs> – I look at him and I say, oh, could he? And he could. He could, and he could be good. Uh, with Josh Jacobs contract situation, I think that there's actually, you know, a chance where he could be a starting running back. Yeah. If he performs above, you know, above average, they'll, they'll keep, they'll keep, they, if he's even average, probably they would keep him there, give him a shot for another year. But yeah, J- Jacobs is most likely out of Oakland next year. They aren't going to want to pay him what, what his price is. And uh, that's probably the guy who I see. And I'm like, if I'm taking a flyer, we're in the third round. I'm probably going Zamir White here. Wandale right, Robinson Mike. wearies me. I feel like it's no it's it's just like another uh who's that guy with the Rams that everyone's dropping now? That two two Atwell. The second two two it's like another Don't two two, two dare Atwell. call him two two Atwell. He's basically two two Atwell. Um, I told Dan, all right, let's just segue it into because Wandell is Dan's guy. At cost, I'm sure <laughs> he cost. will be the first to say exactly. Uh I told Dan in our text yesterday that we learned our lesson with Rondell Moore, Wandell Robinson. Sure. He's worth the flyer, but I am certainly not getting my hopes up. Dan, you have the floor, sir. Exactly. So here's, here's the thing. Everyone's really bummed because they spent a early uh, second round pick on Rondell Moore last year, right? Sometimes even in early first, uh, it's early first, late first, you really saw him right at that edge of like, 111 or like the 205 like that was kind of his range depending on what people's uh, thoughts were there Wondell Robinson is going so much later than that Uh, and it's kind of like I get it you're talking about it's you've got Wandale and you've got Rondale and then immediately your mind just goes there because of uh, the kind of naming convention but the amount of production that Wandale put up in the SEC has me interested in being able to bring him onto my team if he's going to cost me like an early third sometimes mid third i've been even sometimes personally been taking him in the late second again adp out the window what is my roster need type of stuff he was the highest graded wide receiver in the sec according to pff last season like that's impressive and so it's funny we're comparing him to rondale moore because rondale was five seven he is five eight who I think we should be comparing him to a little bit more, who's again, just one inch away, but has crazy comparables is Elijah Moore. Elijah Moore and him have so many similarities when it comes to their overall production. He actually has a better breakout age. He has a better BMI. They are both early declare. Uh, They have similar draft capital. Uh, It was the two zero two for um, Elijah Moore last year. It's unreal. And so it's this weird cutoff point where people are saying, Five nine and five nine and above, sure, you can produce in the NFL because there's plenty of like the the sample sets are bigger, right? He is an outlier from a size perspective. I totally get it, but at some point, someone has to be able to break the mold there. I'm not gonna call him Tyree Kill, but he's one guy who's been able to do it, right? So if we are able to take a look at this, I get it. It's kind of like the the logic that we had with those who weren't able to overcome Achilles and ACL back in the day. The sample size was so small and it looked so poor that we kind of said you were doomed to not be able to produce at any level because of those types of things. We're getting a wider sample size now. We've had a, a swing and a miss so far, by the way, with Rondell Moore. He's still not like he's, he's going to get a great opportunity now with DeAndre Hopkins, et cetera, out. Regardless, all I'm saying is that at cost, this kid produced like crazy. He was a great wide receiver last year. His height is going to ding him. But they took him that high, and I don't think he's going to be the role player that like a, a Tutu Atwell was in a very crowded uh, kind of wide receiver space over on the Rams. I'm taking him. I'm eating him up at that cost, and I'm really hoping that we see someone break the mold. And if, if they didn't, then it was a third-round pick that I didn't invest highly in. So that's my, uh, my two cents on, on Wandale Robinson there. I think that's your selling point, personally, is just the low cost. I mean, we I think – Everybody here, maybe Torts, I can't remember, 
um, was probably spending some early to mid seconds on Rondell Moore last year. I mean, one of the best, if not best freshman production seasons I've ever seen. And so, you know, it's, it's, it's an upside play and Wandell's an upside play. I might, as somebody who's not even the highest on Elijah Moore, I might pump the brakes a little bit on the Elijah Moore comparisons. I mean, at least he was out there competing with DK Metcalf and, uh, and AJ Brown in those early Ole Miss days. I mean, for sure. Wandell won one season, but, but I mean, it was a very, very good season, super dynamic, which is why we're called the dynasty dynamic, right? We love dynamic players. So I do think it's interesting, but gentlemen, it is getting late and we are getting towards the end of this. So I'm going to go Mike, Dan, Tordai, and then I will go one below this. And I already know Tordai, we know you love Sam Howell. All right. We can save the Sam Howell chat for another day. Does feel like good value in the third round. Okay. Um, I want you guys to pick one player that we haven't mentioned yet that you are absolutely going to be snagging in your rookie drafts. And Mike, I will give you first shot. Thank you, sir. So let's, let's see out of, out of the guys that we have not brought up quite yet. Um, and someone that we were just discussing in that same tier as Wondell Robinson is Jalen Tolbert. Um, so you saw the Cowboys um, this past year, uh, trade Amari Cooper, trade him away, let Cedric Wilson walk. You got Michael Gallup coming off of a ACL injury that is probably going to have him sitting out at least the first few games of the season. When I see Jalen Tolbert getting that third round uh, draft capital, I know that he is a, I believe he was a four-year guy at, at, in, in uh, college. I think he's going to be coming into the league at 23 years old. Um, but he had a fantastic last season. Um, there, I believe he was in at South Alabama, if I'm he correct. He was South Alabama. Um, so, you know, he's, he's a guy that I just see if I'm going at this point with wide receiver, uh, talent in particular, I'm looking at landing spot at that point, uh, in seeing what kind of opportunity is going to be available. Um, I obviously, you know, you got CD lamb there as the unquestioned wide receiver one, um, and then definitely they're going to be using the run game a lot. But I think that there's uh, a wide open spot for him to be able to, you know, really seize some opportunity there. So um, I would likely go with him here. I'm not in love with the prospect profile by any means. Um, but, you know, he definitely showed that he could be um, he had a very a great dominator rating his his last year in college there. I think that he's shown that he can command a good, uh, good workload there. So. If he's sitting in the back half of second rounds, early third rounds, he's a guy that I have uh, personally around this tier of guys. I've been snagging him. Hard to argue with a guy paired with Dak Prescott. Dan, I'm going to kick it to you. Where are we going, buddy? So guy for me in this range, um, a guy that I would be taking over Algier is Brian Robinson. I am, you know me, I've not been super high on Antonio Gibson. Um, (laughs) 100% think that again, um, he's going to be filling in a very nice role. Gibson fell into the opportunity that he did because of the Geis situation. He was drafted as a gadget player. He has done well above and beyond what I thought he was able to do in the earlier part. He stepped up and he's done it quite well. Brian Robinson still coming from an Alabama uh, running back production there. He is very well graded. I think he's stepping into a situation that, again, you're looking at the head coaching staff wanting to be able to alleviate Gibson's um, total uh, carries just because of his injury profile, etc., Uh, And so I think he's going to be coming in and playing a part. Uh, Do I think it's crowded right now? Absolutely. Uh, You got J.D. McKissie who's coming back there. You've got Gibson. uh, But I do like the talent that Brian Brian Robinson brings. Uh, You see that they're investing a a third-round pick here. Uh, I'm interested in this almost sometimes a little bit more than some of those very late-round running backs just because of the draft capital uh, telling us their thoughts alone. We don't have time to get into this. I can't believe you used this pick to take an anti-Antonio Gibson stand on the show right now, Dan. 100%. Anytime I have a chance. (laughs) Anytime I have a chance. I mean, I watched the Alabama games. I saw Brian Robinson splitting touches with Jace McClellan before he went out for the year. I mean, I get it. You're shuffled behind Najee Harris, Josh Jacobs, like a plethora of talent, but... 
I'm I'm not too worried about Brian Robinson becoming a huge thing in Washington right now. So we can continue to dig into your Gibson hate in the offseason. But for now, I'm going to kick it to Torts. Who you got here, buddy? Well, if you want me to avoid Sam Howell, I will. But also, Sam Howell's should, on the I, table. We I know really, Sam Howell. No, I, I really should say Tyrion Davis-Price because I've been taking him. Yeah. Yeah, I think I might I might have even taken him in the back half of a second round in one of our leagues. I think I mean obviously we all know how it works with the 49ers backfield. They're gonna ride the hot hand. Um, Eli Mitchell obviously looked very good last year. I think Price could look just as good in this offense, and I'm excited to see what he can do. I mean this this kid was legit against SEC talent. He looked pretty damn good last year, um, and obviously you know they they weren't necessarily the best team. Uh, no. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, if you if you put him with, you know, the the right pieces around him, I, you know, this this is a guy that I think in the San Francisco offense with Trey Lance, who I think is going to really open things up. It's it's going to be it's going to be fun to watch. I'm taking TDP. Send it. Book it. I love it. I've been telling people that we're buying Elijah Mitchell to watch your back. And, and this was the reason why, and you were, <laughs> you were absolutely right towards that was not Joe Burrow's LSU offense that was on the field this past no. year. And that was a bit of a dumpster fire as a team. All right. So I'm going to close this out here, gentlemen, and uh, just going to read you a couple names. I'm going to leave one off to start Byron Pringle, <laughs> Equinemia St. Brown, David Moore, Daz Newsom, Isaiah Coulter. I can't even pronounce this one. I'm stopping this bit. Velas Jones, gentlemen. <laughs> Velas Jones. He is currently 25 years old. He just finished up his doctorate at 20 C- at Tennessee. <laughs> and I listen. Velas Van Wilder Jones is going to see the field this year, whether we like it or not. Okay, it's true. The guy is six feet. He's a living wide receiver. <laughs> yeah, he exactly. He's a six one, feet, two hundred and five <laughs> pounds, and he runs a four three one. I mean, put him in Darnell Mooney. You try to cover that offense on the outside. I mean, someone's gonna be open. And listen, I was pounding the table for Justin Fields last year. I'm still a Justin Fields believer. Um, I think the Bears are probably gonna have to tear it down before they can build anything real up around Justin Fields. But give me Velas Van Wilder, the doctor to close out the show tonight. Great job, gentlemen. Lots Love of it. fun names on here. Um, probably even some deeper guys that we'll touch on more as the off season progresses. And Torts, as always, my friend, thank you so much for coming on the show. I Seriously. love your film perspective. I love your player takes. We're so glad to have you on, buddy. Thanks for having me, guys. It's been a pleasure. So getting out of here for today, this is the Dynasty Dynamic You stay classy, Dynasty Leaguers. Thanks for tuning in. Milk was a bad choice.